You're listening to The Itch, a podcast exploring all things allergy, asthma, and immunology. I'm your co-host, Courtney, a real-life allergy, asthma, and eczema girl. And I'm your second host, Dr. Payal Gupta, a board-certified allergy, asthma, and immunology doctor. Courtney and I hope to balance each other out so that we get you all the information that you want and need about allergies, asthma, and immunology. Hi, everyone. It's episode 11, and today, Courtney and Joey Salmingo talk about Joey's journey after the passing of his sister, Joanna. Joanna died at the age of 30 years old from an anaphylactic reaction, and Joey and his family founded FATE, Food Allergy Training and Education Initiative. Joey and Courtney talk about why we need to educate people who do not have food allergies, why education for restaurants, schools, the airline industry, and even paramedics is so important for people with food allergies to remain safe. Unfortunately, I couldn't join this interview, but I learned how we can help ensure the safety of people with food allergies by sharing our stories and by empowering others with knowledge. The food allergy community is full of so many wonderful people, concerned family and friends who come together to help bring change so that people with food allergies can feel safer. As a part of our podcast, we look forward to bringing you more of these amazing initiatives. We hope you'll enjoy today's podcast. Hi, everyone. Today I'm talking to Joey from Fate, and I will get him to explain what Fate is in a second. He is from my hometown, Toronto, so we're two Canadians talking today, which will be exciting. And I might say A a hundred times more than normal because I'm talking to a Canadian and just like subconscious <laughs> comes out. So you will see where I am from originally by the way I speak. Anyhow, let's jump in. Joey, can you tell us about your journey and what brought you into being the Fate founder? Sure. Um, I mean, well, it wasn't, it's not a happy story, but as they say, tragedy inspires action. Fate stands for Food Allergy Training and Education. Uh, and it was founded in... Uh, August of 2018, following the death uh, of my sister, who was 30 years old, so she wasn't a child, um, she had eaten uh, her favorite dessert. So when I when I do these forums, which I'll get into in a second, I start off by saying my sister died eating her favorite dessert, right? And that usually gets an impact. But anyway, she she ate uh, mochi. And for those of you that don't know what mochi is, it's a little Japanese dessert, uh, usually made of glutinous rice with ice cream on the inside. Um, and, and Whole Foods was selling a vegan, non-dairy version of that. And as most of us know, when you replace cow's dairy in a recipe, uh, for a vegan recipe, you typically replace it with a nut milk, whether it be almond milk, cashew milk, or any of the other nut milks in between. It, that uh, obviously caused anaphylaxis, um, which uh, led to suffocation, which led to um, her heart stopping and, and lack of oxygen to the brain. And ultimately, she she uh, succumbed to her, her anaphylaxis, which is from brain death. Um, that was over the course of 17 days. Uh, the accident was August 8th. Um, we let her go on the 24th of August. Obviously, we we were and still are going through a mourning period because to to have watched her essentially die um, is obviously very traumatizing. But I think we as a family have learned to manage 
our emotions in a particular way where we will continue to grieve in private. But when the time comes, we sort of not put on a face. I don't mean put on a face because it's not in authenticity. Um, we just sort of are able to manage our emotions in such a way where we want to relay a message and protect those people that are that do have food allergies. Uh, so we started this organization that essentially provides uh, education um, and much needed training uh, in terms of uh, just being aware of allergy surroundings, um, how to respond to an emergency situation if it comes, knock on wood, obviously, um, and just general uh, general education and preventative measures. It, uh, it is just something that obviously was necessary because unfortunately, until it happened to us, we didn't really know exactly what to do. You're kind of a little bit prepared because, well, the allergist, you know, prescribes you the EpiPen. He tells you what you're allergic to and these are the steps to take and the instructions are on the Epi in general. But until you're immersed in that situation, you're never going to know exactly what to do. Right. And, and and that's unfortunate that that had to happen for uh, for us to come into this state of mind or state of awareness. But again, as, as I started saying, you know, tragedy inspires action. So our hope is that our organization will turn up the volume on the conversation. Um, a little bit of history about me. I went, Before all of it happened, I was a freelance television host. So I was living between Vancouver, Los Angeles and Toronto. And I was very busy. I was working um, a lot. I was traveling a lot. And prior to that, I was a chef. I was a chef for 15 years in the city of Toronto. Um, I'm still very, very involved in the food uh, industry in the country, um, just doing a lot of food television and whatnot. And that being said, everything that I've kind of done in my life leading up to the point of when my sister died helps me in what I'm doing today with fate. And that's why I called the organization fate because it was a stroke of fate. It's really, it's perfect because I, I love the acronym. I think it's really beautiful. And I think that it inspires hope. You know, it's just showing that it's an open thing because I do think that allergies can feel like a roadblock, especially in restaurants. And it does sound like everything that has happened in your life has prepared you for this moment. You know, you are a phoenix rising from this tragedy and you are using that strength to help educate, which is, I think, a beautiful way to honor your sister. Thank you. Yeah, I I mean, I, I, I hear that a lot and, and a lot of people say, you know, I don't know how you do it. And, and then when I sit and think about it, I'm like, you know what? I still don't know how I'm able to do this, but I'm doing it and I'm OK with that answer. You know, I'm just I'm just doing it for her, obviously, and, and for everybody else, of course. You're honoring your sister. And I think this is the best way you can do that is to actually empower other people. Well, I mean, I mean, that being said, it's not. It's not the allergy community that we need to speak to because everybody in the allergy community already knows how to prepare themselves, how to protect themselves. It's everybody outside of the circle. And I say this repeatedly on the many media junkets and, and, and other podcasts that I've done is we don't need to speak to the allergy community. We need to speak to everybody outside of this bubble because they have no idea what they're dealing with and they don't understand how serious it is. You know, I, I take a specific passion in uh, doing 
our fate forums, as we call them, for restaurants because I've been there. I've worked in the industry for X amount of time and I know exactly the operations of the front of house, the back of house, as well as the actual running of the business. You know, I, I get a lot of kickback. Well, not a lot, but I get some kickback. You know, some restaurateurs or some people that work in kitchens saying it's not feasible, we can't do it, it's it takes too much time. And that is it's a completely BS answer because you can do it and it's your responsibility to do it. So if you don't want to do it, you don't belong in the business. It, like it's one thing to relate information to someone. I could be from an allergy organization and I could go around to schools and restaurants and this and that and I can create policies and I can relay this information as somebody from this organization. But it's another thing to relay this information with a story behind it. What I always say is that I have literally made it my job to talk about how my sister died because, well, that's the whole reason for this. If that story is going to trigger an emotion in that person in order for them to listen, then absolutely I'm going to do that because it's an impactful way of getting a message across, right? I'm, I'm a very straight up and blunt type of person and I will I have no problem saying that we as a society today are so distracted by everything that's going on that a lot of things fly over our heads. And in order for us to retain information, we either have to be slapped in the face with it or or punched in the face with it. <laughs> you know, like just, we, we we sometimes just need to be, you know, uh, 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 like taken away from these distractions that we have. And, uh, and and that's sort of the approach that I'm taking with with fate and its messaging, uh, you know, just just being very blunt and upfront and 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 shocking you with with the details of what happened because this it's not a scare tactic it's a reality it's a real story that we live every day and uh, there's no reason for me to sugarcoat it right because it wasn't a sweet story no I I agree I think that unless you've seen an allergic reaction it's really hard to understand what it is. I mean, it's an invisible disease. So, and I think there's also all of this talk of like intolerance and allergy and all of these preferences. And so I think there's a confusion or there's a language barrier sometimes for people to really understand what it means when we have an allergy. And really, I don't want anyone to ever have to see an allergic reaction or to go through anything that you have, but it's hard for them to empathize or to fully grasp why we are so, what they might think, controlling, Yeah, you know, because they don't know what's going to happen to us. And the moment you see an allergic reaction, it's scary. Like I've had friends see just random hives show up on my arm and all of a sudden they've become advocates because they're like, well, you just touch that doorknob and you've got hives on your arm. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's serious, you guys. It's an actual thing. And unless you see it, you don't understand it. So I think you have to, to a certain degree, especially in industries that you're trying to change, use a little bit of a scare tactic in a sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's it's obviously not a scare tactic in a malicious way. It's no. just, look, this is the reality of what can or what has happened in my case um, and not just my case. And, you know, there's so many people you know, local and, you know, internationally, like, I don't know if it's because we've been immersed in this allergy community so drastically over the last nine months or so. But we now we hear week after week after week of like this person having an reaction and this person dying and this and it's mind blowing. It's actually so mind blowing how many people react 
And like, I'm so, I'm trying so hard not to swear <laughs> because it's angering. It's so angering that, that these, these reactions happen and either people don't know how to react to them and they're in positions of public care or it was just so preventable. And all it took, like in the case of my sister, Joanna, all it took was that flavor to say contains nuts. That's all it yeah. took. Right. And in the case of so many other people, you know, in, in, that are in our situation, all it, all it takes sometimes is just a few more letters on that sticker. Right. And it's it's so infuriating. And, and I'll give you a, a, a quick example. So I went to Whole Foods the very next day when that when it happened to my sister, because I wanted to see what she saw. So I took pictures of the freezer, the display that it came in. And there was a an allergy warning, like a may contain sticker. But the first ingredient is is an allergen. So why wouldn't why wouldn't you just put contains nuts on instead of may contain? And and by the way, when you go 30 years without ever having a serious reaction, you're going to let your guard down because you're going to be like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. That's may contain is fine because but every time you do that, it's literally a game of Russian roulette. Right. You never know what it's going to contain. So anyway, after my sister passed away, that's when I went to to Whole Foods to go speak to management. And I had told them what happened. They were very empathetic, obviously. And uh, I said, you need to put me in touch with whoever's in charge of Whole Foods safety. And they put me in touch with that person, which I was very surprised. The the global food safety lead called me like uh, a few days later and we had a conversation. So I, I, I told him, I said, look, I've worked in the food retail industry for many, many years. Here's what I think should happen. Here's, here's how I think that your uh, food handling should be. He took the, uh, he took the, it's not criticism, but he took the notes and within a week they had changed the labels of those flavors and it says contains nuts on it. And then I went back to Whole Foods and I said, if this had already been this way, my sister would still be alive today. And, yeah. and then on top of that, I just got back from Vancouver and I had just so happened to walk into the Whole Foods in Vancouver and they have a, they had a massive made with cashews sticker on the mochi freezer now. It's not consistent because I checked other Whole Foods and I had people from other cities check that Whole Foods freezer. And this one doesn't have it either, the one that my sister bought it at. So it's not consistent. There needs to be some sort of streamlining across the board with that. I guess my point is, is that I guess things are starting to change slowly, but it's still infuriating because it's too little too late. And it's a shame that it took something like this to happen for these changes to happen. Yeah. I actually um, did something on my blog with Zoe, who ate the same mochi ball. Zoe Grant? Yeah. So I talked to Zoe, and ever since I talked to her, I checked the mochis all the time. And then I read about your sister's story, actually, a week later. Yeah, whenever I go into Whole Foods now, I'm always checking all of the labeling because it's it, they're sitting right beside each other. So it's so easy to just make that mistake. And it's also scary because if you have a family member, you know, who has purchased it and made a, like an accident and just grabbed the wrong one, you don't know. So it's it's a it's a tricky thing when food is bulk. Yeah. So and it's you know I, I always say ask questions, read every ingredient, but also never take chances on a make contain label. It's not worth it. No, not at all. I don't need to tell you that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. <laughs> so back to fate. How do you guys work with organizations? Do you contact them? What kind of organizations are you working with to spread the message? 
in the beginning, well, I had created sort of a, a landing page on my personal website. And then and then later on, I created actual, an actual website, which is fadeinitiative.com. Um, we had just said, you know, we're offering this service because we didn't know what we wanted to do. I just know that I wanted to relay a message. So I just kind of put it out there and I said, we're offering these free seminars on how to be allergy aware. We're going to teach you how to use an epinephrine injector. Please contact us. And in the beginning, we were contacted by schools. So we started here in New York region because that's where we live. We did our first session actually on the one month anniversary. So we did it on the on September 24th. So it was very, very shortly afterwards that we started doing that. And every forum starts and ends the same way, which is why we're there, which is the story of my sister. And then from there, like once we did one school, other schools caught on because, you know, teachers talk. And then we ended up doing a bunch of a bunch of schools in the York region area. And then that slowly trickled out to Toronto District School Board. So we're we're doing schools now. Um, actually, May has been quite busy because it's Allergy Awareness Month. Um, I do also have some bookings in October just before Halloween, which makes amazing sense. And then I kind of I knew that I just didn't want to limit it to schools because it's not just kids that have food allergies. So I said, well, I have all this restaurant experience. So I designed what I call a food service forum. So all of my restaurant contacts started reaching out and saying, hey, can you do a session? So uh, my cousin actually moved out to Halifax and became one of the executive chefs or a big restaurant group out there. So he pulled me out to Halifax and I did a restaurant forum for Grafton Connor, which is a large restaurant group. They own like 19 properties. They have like a thousand employees. Um, I just I just launched a, a campaign with Joey Restaurant Group because I actually used to work there many, many years ago and I still have uh, a lot of contacts in there and they saw, well, frankly, the, the, the good reasoning behind doing a type of form like that for their staff. And, um, and actually, Joey Restaurants is actually one of the very few restaurant groups I've ever worked for that actually has a, uh, an allergy protocol in place for their uh, for their clients. So that's a great thing. I think just reiterating it and and explaining to the staff that it's not just a, a rule you have to follow because it's a rule you have to follow. It's actually a life or death scenario that you have to follow these rules. Um, and, and a lot of them are, most of them are, are actually very receptive towards it because, you know, a lot of their employees are very passionate about what they do. So yeah, we started with Joy Restaurant Group. And then I guess just kind of opened it up to, if you go to fateinitiative.com slash forums, you'll see all the forms we offer. And you'll it starts with schools, goes into restaurants. I also offer it for people in public care. And who are people in public care? Well, think about it. Paramedics, flight attendants, security guards, anybody who's in charge of somebody else's well-being in, in, in a scenario. And to pause on flight attendants, that's a huge opportunity for flight attendants to get some free training that they've never gotten before. Surprisingly, I have a lot of friends that are flight attendants. Um, and I've also interviewed, um, not recorded interviews, but I've also interviewed flight attendants in airports. And I've talked to them about this particular situation. And they said there's no anaphylaxis protocol. Very few airlines carry epinephrine on board. Um, and they don't they don't know how to deal with that type of scenario. So, you know, I offer this as anonymous training. They don't have to tell me what airline they work for. But, you know, it's just about getting the message out and teaching people how to deal with it to save lives because too many people are, are, are dying 
from things that are so preventable, right? So that's what fate does what fate does. It's like we've got the Heimlich, we've got CPR, and then we have to teach people about... Alexis. Yeah, exactly. And starting in those places is great. I think starting in schools is really good because you educate younger kids. And I also think that the restaurant industry, it's interesting to hear if they're receptive or not towards that. And I'm just curious, what do you talk to the restaurant industry about? So there will always be kickback because in the restaurant industry, there are a lot of egos, especially in the kitchen, in the front of the house. See, the thing is, when you work in a restaurant, there's a lot of clock punchers or people that are just there to make a paycheck. And then there are people that actually want to move up and, you know, want to stay in the industry, et cetera, et cetera. The thing to talk, well, like, so like I said before, Every forum starts and ends the same way. So I actually start by saying, this is who I am. This is what I used to do. Um, and I, you know, I play, I, I basically play them my demo reel, right? And my demo reel is like me on the red carpet at the Oscars, me with a bunch of celebrities and, and all that stuff. And the reason I do that is because, well, I, I need to grasp the attention of the people that are talking to me. So if I show them pop culture references, chances are they're going to be like, oh, who's this guy? Let me listen to him and what he has to tell me. That's the reality of it, right? The way I design my forum is the exact same way that I read, a, read or write a script, which is the inciting incident right off the top so that you're, you're automatically engaged throughout the course of the forum. So anyway, so right after I've gotten their attention by what I used to do, I say everything had to come to a screeching halt. And then I play the news report by CTV that tells them exactly what happened. It's a very emotional three-minute story. Yeah, I've seen it. It gives me goosebumps. It gives me goosebumps thinking about it. And and every I've done the forum so many times, Courtney, and every time, every time I watch it, I always, always well up. I always well up. And it, it, it really brings people, you know, it grabs their attention even more so now because I'm crying, right? They've just seen that. And the room's always dead silent when when that ends. So I kind of gather myself and I say, this is why I'm here. I don't get paid to be here. I'm not here to tell you guys information. I'm here to tell you, I'm here to share with you a real story. And I'm here to hopefully teach you something that you will retain either for the course of your career in working in restaurants or, and hopefully for the rest of your lives, right? And by that point, people get it. You know, it's not like, you know, I'm not there in a suit and tie. I'm not just feeding them information and showing them a slideshow there. I make it engaging for that purpose. So sorry to I'm rambling, but to answer your question as to what do I tell restaurants? So because of my experience in both restaurant operations in the front and back of the house, I try to speak. Well, not I don't try to. I speak their language. Right. And I say, look, when a customer comes in orders, there's the steps are always the same. Right. So all I'm telling them to do is insert little steps in between the steps that they're already doing to ensure that this allergy customer is going to dine safely and can be confident about the way that they're dining. Right. So, for example, most restaurants these days are taught to say, are there any allergies at this table? Mm -hmm. Most of them, we're, we're, we're going to work on getting all of them. But what I actually do is sort of take it, take it up a level. And I say, why don't you say, are there any life threatening allergies at this table? And the reason I say that is because we're never going to get away from the people that lie about that, about having allergies. Right. We're never going to get away from those type of people. They, they, they exist. They will always exist. So you're always going to have one person that says, I'm allergic to gluten. Make sure that 
it doesn't have anything on like they're eating fries from the deep fryer that also contains gluten right i always say you're always going to have those people regardless of what they're telling you you can't roll your eyes at them and treat them like liars because that one person that actually is telling the truth you're going to let your guard down and you're going to kill that person right so it, it it puts into perspective the risks that they take and it it pockets a lot of egos as well because in the kit i i mean i worked in a kitchen for you know, like 10 15 years and Egos, egos existed then and egos exist today. You know, the creativity of creating this dish and having to modify it for this particular person that may or may not be allergic to it doesn't matter anymore, right? Because the one, the one time your ego gets in the way and says, well, forget it. I'm just going to make this the way I feel like making it. You're going to hurt someone. And I also think it's a good test of a chef, you know? It's like, look, I'm throwing you a little test tonight. Like, Let's see how you can fare when you can't use things that you're normally used to using or how creative can you be other than giving me like a piece of chicken, you know, a simple seared chicken and some steamed veggies. What can you do that's exciting and interesting and like get those creative juices actually flowing? So I always think it's a sign of a good chef is like how beautiful can my simple meal look, you know, and taste especially. if you When you take certain ingredients out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a problem solving thing, I think. And it's it's a nice it's nice to know when they have passion. Like you can really see when someone's a passionate cook or chef when they take pride in delivering you something that is the exact same quality as everyone else sitting at the table with you. Yeah. But for for the chefs that aren't necessarily passionate about it and are literally just there tossing salads to put themselves through school, which is fine. We've all done it. Even if you're not passionate about your job, do your job correctly. Right? because especially in this particular scenario. So like I said, I address both the people that are passionate about it and I call them clock, clock punchers, right? Punch in, punch out, make my money, goodbye. When I talk to them in their language and I empathize with them and, and I say, and I say, look, you know, I get it when it's busy and the screen is red and you got tickets as long as, uh, you, you know, like 10 car lengths, I totally get it when it's busy, you feel like you don't have the time. But, but if somebody's allergic to something, take the time. Because the time you save in ignoring something will be the last time that you do that. Because A, you'll shut the whole restaurant down. B, you'll be out of a job. And God forbid you kill somebody, right? So again, it really puts it into perspective how these restaurant tours or these restaurant employees take care of their guests. And I mean, I can only just hope that they retain the information. And, you know, I know that nobody's going to retain 100% of what I tell them. But just the key points, be careful, read the ingredients, be considerate and pocket your egos. Right. Again, that's a specific sort of a passionate route I take in doing my food service forums because I've been there. The flight attendant forum, the flight forum, which I call it, I actually use information and actually can get uh, or I get friends that have been flight attendants before. They're not working anymore. But I usually partner up with them and get them to do the form with me because, well, I'm not a flight attendant. I've never been one. I don't know what it's like to, to attend to people 20,000 feet in the air. But if I have a flight attendant that can speak their language, then the message is going to get across easier. If 
faster and they're going to absorb it, right? So yeah, those are sort of the approaches I take in uh, in relaying this information. And It sounds like you're creating a lot of empathy. So it's like there's so much protocol you can have, like a restaurant can have all its rules, a flight attendant can know their set of rules, but unless they have like this sense of empathy or understanding, they they don't really know why they're doing it. They're just doing it because they have to. But doing it with an understanding, I think, is a really nice way of getting people to feel empowered and feel proactive about making sure people's allergies are safe. Yeah. And I tell them, I said, I'm not here to tell you how to do your job because I don't like, well, in the restaurant industry, I know what they're doing, but like as a flight attendant or a security guard, like I don't, I have no right to tell you how to do your job in that sense, but I am giving you tools to use as you work day to day so that you can do your job better, safer. Right. Because in the in in the in terms of people in public care, obviously, it's their job to to care about the safety and well-being of people. Right. A lot of I have this friend that's a paramedic and he's like, aren't you worried about some paramedics? Not me, but are you worried about some paramedics that might be insulted by you teaching them how to save lives? I'm like, well, no. Did you know what to do before this happened? He's a he's a working paramedic. Right. He knows that when he gets a call that he has certain steps to take, you know, he, he, he has to, um, hook the person up to epinephrine and, you, you know, if the person's going through cardiac arrest, like he knows those steps, but until you're actually put in that scenario, you're not going to be able to exercise those steps, right? Practice, practice is one thing, but when you're actually working on someone that's experienced anaphylaxis, that's a total other thing. He's like, well, I, I guess you're right, right? That's where you have to pocket. People need to learn to pocket their egos. There's everybody's so sensitive these days. It's like, well, who does this guy think he is, you know, telling me what to do? It's not about that. It's about giving you information because my sister died. So here's the information that I'm giving you. Please take this and, and take it with you throughout the course of your life. So again, I'm very blunt and upfront about things. So I think that's also a, a nice, refreshing thing for people to be like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'm going to listen. And I can only talk to the people that are going to listen to me, right? Not everybody's going to listen to my message. Not everybody's going to listen to this podcast. But the people that listen they're going to take, they're going to retain some sort of, or they're, well, first of all, they're going to get the information. They're going to retain it because they have a particular passion about it. I'm not worried about the people that aren't listening to me because they're not listening to me anyway. We can only talk to the people that are going to listen. You know, if we continue talking and there's one new person there that was never in the allergy community before, then we've done our jobs, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to just spin things because I follow you on Instagram and I see that you've been traveling all over the place and filming. What are you up to? Is this something also food allergy related? Um, yes and no. Um, so needless to say, when everything happened, I kind of stepped back from doing what I was doing before, um, just because obviously what I'm doing now has a lot more purpose than reporting on who's divorcing who in Hollywood type thing. So what I did was I, I went back into producing because before I was on camera, I was behind the camera. So I started producing again. It remained in the food television space. So I'm actually producing two docu-food series right now, which uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to decipher whether how much I can talk about because it's still in, in, in the works. But it's Oh, okay. I'm like, just tell me all your secrets. <laughs> 
No, I know. It's it, well, you know, it's it's a whole legalities thing. But uh, I, I am working on a on, on a docu food series with uh, a very prominent uh, Canadian food influencer or chef. Uh, he did used to own a couple of restaurants in Toronto, and uh, he's well known across the country, um, as well as uh, some other notable chefs that I'm working on some food ideas with that I that I potentially will be producing as well. So I remain in the space of food television. Um, I'm just putting on a hat that I took off years ago. So it's it's nice sort of being back in the saddle. We were able, I just got back from Tofino, as you saw, and uh, we did shoot uh, the pilot episode actually out there, which was uh, so much fun. I had never been to Tofino, British Columbia before. But yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, I need to work. <laughs> so so the fact of the matter is, is that uh, on top of doing my nonprofit work, I, I still need to, well, I still need to work, but also I still want to do what I love doing. On the other side of things, I am working on uh, my own sort of in your face uh, sort of series. I don't want to call it a vlog or a podcast or anything. It's just, it's, it's something very new. Um, but it's a very real world, you know, conversation about the allergy epidemic. There, there are very few allergy documentaries out there. So I am also working on that over the next couple of years as well. Lots on the go. <laughs> Needless to say. Are you looking at expanding fate at all? Or is it just going to be something that you and your family members primarily do? Or is it something you want to kind of branch out nationwide or even worldwide? In the best case scenario, this becomes a worldwide organization. Uh, you know, needless to say that this is something that we've never done before. So we're kind of learning as we go. Because because I travel to the States already, I I, I am expanding into the United States. I, I'm very close-knit with the Red Sneakers for Oakley initiative in Florida and uh, the Elijah Foundation in New York City and, and other allergy organizations, you know, across the board, like Walk for Andrea, which is right here in Toronto. And um, and yeah, the, the plan is to expand this educational initiative as far as as we can go because there aren't that many, there, there are a lot of allergy organizations out there for sure. And they're all doing amazing things. And there's no reason why we can't work together to do the same thing. Like we're all, we're all doing the same thing. So why can't we work together doing that? That's true. I think that we're all trying to spread the message. And what you said is really important is like, you know, we are in our world of allergies and we have to find a way to branch out and to get people who don't know anything about allergies to understand. And that's what, you know, the past week of allergy awareness has been doing is like, let's share our stories. And hopefully those stories will help people understand why allergies are something important to think about. And unfortunately, they're not going away anytime soon. I say that too. Um, and so if someone wants to invite you to their school, or if someone wants to have you come to their restaurant, what's the best way? Do they contact you directly? Yeah, well, I mean, so uh, we have our, uh, our our website, so faithinitiative.com slash forums, all lowercase. The, there are actually forms to fill out there, so if, and, and you can select from it. So if you want me to come to your school, obviously choose the school forum. There's a whole list of different types of forms that I've designed, and I even do private in-home ones as well. So, you know, if you just wanted me to come to the house, you know, get a few family members over, which I, I'm doing a couple of those in June, which I'm very excited about. This one Italian family in Richmond Hill. Um, it's a they're a young family, right? And uh, they said, you know, my my parents they don't get it. As most most ethnic families don't understand the severity of food allergies. Like I'm Filipino, right? So 
my relatives, they understand that my sister died from a food allergy, but they don't understand the full severity of what exactly happened. So anyway, this one girl, she she reached out. She said, you know, my son's two years old. He's got diagnosed with this and my parents don't understand. Would you be able to come to our house? I'll get all my relatives over. And I said, absolutely, I'll totally do that. Right. Because it, for me, it's not about scale. It's just about relaying a message. If, if you, we just had a one on one conversation, I would give you a one on one forum because the more people that know, the more people that are going to be aware and the more people that are going to dine safe and eat safe. That's what this is all about. So fateinitiative.com slash forums or my direct email address is allergies at joeyselmingo.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is really amazing to see how you've taken this tragedy and turned it into something that's educating, that's spreading awareness, that's truly proactive. Exactly. Thank you so much. I mean, this is this is the only thing in my life that has purpose right now. So I'm going to do it for her. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Remember that all information you hear today is for informational purposes only and are not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you have a second, help spread the word by rating our podcast and sharing with your friends and family who might also be interested in learning more about allergies, asthma, and immunology. You can always stay up to date by checking out our Instagram, The Itch Podcast, where you can leave questions you are itching to know, or check out our website, which is www.itchpodcast.com, which contains more information about the subjects we covered in today's episode and every episode. Until next time, have a fabulous week. 